Legally Blonde, Suits, My Cousin Vinny. All badass lawyers, all different. Which begs the question, what type of lawyer do you want to be? Don't waste another second thinking, ugh, I don't even know what types of lawyers there are. Trust us, we've been there. Let's put a stop to that once and for all. Go take the 90-second quiz from new lawyer now what coach Angela Vorpal to give yourself a clear picture of the best fit type law for you. Go to www.whattypeoflawyerquiz.com and take the quiz today. Once you've taken the quiz, send us a DM on Instagram to let us know what type of lawyer you got. We can't wait to hear. Hi guys, welcome back to Ladies Who Law School podcast. I'm Sam. And I'm Haley. And this episode is brought to you by Barcast Audio. So you guys have definitely heard of Barcast Audio if you've been listening to the podcast. And it's basically like a podcast, but for law school, as in MBE subjects, seven of them. So that means everything that you're going to learn on the bar. And you get to just listen along and learn it and, you know, have mnemonics, there's quizzes. It's just really great. Haley and I both used it for con law and evidence, and we plan on using it as we study for the bar and prep for the bar. Yes, and this is us holding, actually you guys, helping hold us accountable to use BarCast Audio as we study for the bar because we're in the process of studying torts and property for bar studies, and we are like we said, planning, we just, you know, bar studies is not the most fun thing, but BarCast Audio makes it fun, you guys, and we are implementing it into our study routine as we speak. So go on over to BarCastAudio.com and get yourself 10% off using the code LADIES, L-A-D-I-E-S, on your MBE pack, or you can even use it on all the subject, maybe that subject that is giving you a tough time right now. Yes. And this episode, we also have a very special guest. It's our friend Esperanza, and she's over in Spain. We've talked to her for about, honestly, a year now, probably. And it was nice to finally have her on the podcast. We talk about thinking like a lawyer and how that's not necessarily the best thing in some ways. We talk about mental health and just struggles. And, you know, she was an international student. So there's just a lot of good things that we talked about in this episode. And yeah. Let's welcome our guest. Please help me welcome our guest, Miss Esperanza from Esperanza is Hope. So, Miss Espy, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Hello, thank you so much for having me. So, I'm Espy Esperanza. And I am a U.S. and Spanish lawyer. I'm also a coach and an emotional intelligence educator. I also write appeals. I'm sort of like a freelance um, appeal brief writer. And I'm also the creator of Warrior in Law, which is a program for law students who want to excel and also maintain their mental health intact in law school. And I'm very happy to be here. 
Yeah. Yay. We are so happy to have you here. We've been connected for quite a while and this is the yeah. first time you've been like on the podcast, which is kind of surprising, but you know, I think it just needed to happen at this point because we just had so much to share with everybody. Um, and I, if you guys haven't tuned into our Instagram live, definitely go check that out. It's on our profile. We'll actually link it in the show notes so you guys can watch it. And that will give you a little bit of a glimpse into what warrior in law is, but let's just get into it. So why don't you tell us the start of your journey? How did you become a lawyer and just tell us it all? Yeah. So I was born and raised in the Canary Islands in Tenerife. And since very little, I wanted to be a lawyer, but Law, um, college education really in the U.S. was so expensive that I was like, well, I can't just start with college and then do law school. So I studied law in Spain because here in Europe, uh, generally you go straight from high school to whatever you want to do, med school, law school, whatever that is. And I studied there, but I knew that I didn't want to do civil law. I knew I didn't want to practice in Spain. I was like really extremely obsessed with American law, with litigation and the courtroom and all of these things. Um, So it was sort of my dream. And I kept really working towards that dream strategically. I spent some summers in the U.S., um, you know, learning U.S. law. And then finally, when I graduated from law school in Spain, I got a traineeship um, for like a foreign attorney in a law firm in Detroit and then realized that I really liked U.S. law. So this is when I started also applying for law firm, not for law firm, sorry, for LLM program, since I wanted to do a master of law, which is it's a program sort of designed for foreign trained attorneys. And I wanted to do that first before making the huge investment of a JD, because I didn't know if, if that was something that I was really, you know, I mean, it meant leaving my country and my culture sort of like forever if I wanted to practice in the U.S. So I did that. Um, I really loved it. And then I did my JD at the U of A, I was able to um, clerk for a judge that summer in Philly. I loved it so much. I feel like um, really clerking is the best thing. Unfortunately, as an as a non-U.S. citizen, I wasn't able to even apply for a clerkship, which really sucked. But, you know, was it, um, I was at the U of A, really did my best, but really, really hard um, did really well my one year. Um, I joined law review and then I became really interested in understanding why people were struggling so much in law school. So I ended up writing my law review note on the psychological impact of law school education and really understanding, um, the nuances, right. From a, from a more psychological perspective, like perfectionism, obsessive thinking, and, you know, just the way, law students are taught because thinking like a lawyer um, changes a lot of things in our brains. So did that and, you know, also worked um, in firms here and there. So I feel like I tried everything. And after I graduated, um, I started a job as an immigration lawyer and I worked in detention centers in Arizona. Um, it was, it was a very difficult work obviously because, um, it's, it's working a lot with trauma survivors, but it was a beautiful job. And then, and after everything, almost six years in the U S sort of fighting for my dream and, you know, being there alone and no family and no connections really, because I had zero connections when I first started, 
I had to come back because of my immigration status. Um, the nonprofit that I was working for um, didn't have the paperwork ready. I remember feeling like someone or the universe or however you want to call it had taken away everything from me, especially after all of the work, right? All of the hard work. And, you know, came back. Um, my father had also been diagnosed with cancer again. So, you know, it was all for the best because I was able to spend the last year and a half with my dad the way um, last year. So sometimes these things happen in life, right? Um, that you just don't, you don't understand at first. Also met my current partner and now I'm doing what I've always wanted to do, which is to bring healing to the legal profession. And the way I'm doing it is by, teaching law students about emotional intelligence and really encouraging them to become emotionally intelligent and healthy, balanced attorneys. And this is why I created Esperanza's Hope, which is dedicated to really bring empathy, compassion, and emotional intelligence to the legal profession. And um, also why I created Warrior in Law, which is the program that um, is designed for law students, especially one else, to excel academically and survive and thrive emotionally. So I'm pretty curious because we do have some listeners that don't live in the United States. So you get your four, is it four years of yes. your Spanish? Four or five. Okay. I, so you, mine was five. Okay. So that education that you got, how is that comparable to like United States law school? Like, are there any similarities and or differences? Like, could you just yeah. explain that a little bit? We'll be right back. Hey guys, we want to take a moment to talk about something that has been a game changer for us busy lawyers, Audible. Yes. Audible has been our go-to platform for incredible audiobooks, offering an extensive library of thrillers, nonfiction, autobiographies, and mysteries. And guess what? We've got a special treat for you. Audible is offering a free trial to our listeners, and all you need to do is check the link in the show notes. It's the perfect opportunity to experience the magic of audiobooks without spending a dime. Speaking of thrillers, I know you are currently hooked on Never Lie by Frida McFadden. Samantha, can you tell us a little bit about it? Absolutely. The twists and turns in Never Lie have kept me on the edge of my seat during the workday and even when I'm on my daily walks. It's like having a suspenseful companion wherever I go. And for those looking for some financial wisdom, I have been engrossed in My Money, My Way by Kamuku Love. It's packed with practical advice on managing finances, perfect for anyone trying to navigate the complexities of money management. What we love most is the flexibility Audible offers. As lawyers, our schedules can be unpredictable, but with Audible, we can enjoy our favorite books on the go, whether we're stuck in traffic, hitting the gym, or waiting for a court hearing. So if you're ready to embark on a literary journey and discover the joys of audiobooks, click the link in the show notes to start your free trial with Audible. Trust us, you won't want to miss out on this fantastic offer. Law school is very intense, um, at least in Europe as well, but it is true that you don't have the high financial stakes that you have in the U.S., right? In the U.S., you've been in college for four years, and if you go to law school, chances are you're going to have to take out a loan. So generally, you know, most um, you have a lot of public universities here, so it's not going to be that expensive, right? So there's less stress in that sense. 
But the problem, at least in Spain with the educational system, is that it's based on memorizing things. It's not based on understanding the concepts. And it can be really hard, too, because you're being asked to memorize everything. I mean, all of my exams were closed book. And it's it's a different system, um, obviously, because it's a civil law system. But it has very similar rigors, right? Um, it sort of has the also the same perfectionism. And there's also a lot of competition as well. Not as much as in the U.S. because you don't have the one curve necessarily, at least not in Spain. Um, but if you go to law school in Spain, you generally do four to five years. And now they're doing four years because they changed the, the system. It's like Bologna, I think. I can't remember the, the name. And you just become a lawyer. I know you have to do an exam now, sort of like as a bar exam. It's I'm not sure exactly how it is because at the time we didn't have to do it. We had to do another one in our university. But yeah, I don't know if that answered the question. Maybe maybe you could clarify. No, no, no yeah, it did. I was just wondering, you know, like, are you learning similar concepts? I know the systems are obviously yeah. different. But, you know, like rigorous wise, like you said, it's equally as rigorous. So yes. that's kind of like what I was wondering. Also, because, you know, you don't you do four years of college, like you're yeah. doing going to law schools like straight you're ahead. Only learning law, yeah, you're basically. only learning yeah. the law. So it's, it's yeah. interesting how they do that. So that's what I was wondering. But another question I had is obviously you're a Spanish speaker. Mm-hmm. So how was dealing with that and then coming to the United States and having to do law school with like... What was the most complex English language? And that's what I was going to ask too. Whenever you go take your LLM, like, do you have to take the LSAT? How, you know, what's that like with the language barrier and like all that? So you have to take the TOEFL, which is an exam for um, non-English speakers. And you have to have a certain score in order to access to certain programs and LLMs. Um, So people have to study for that because if you don't get a good score, then obviously you're not going to be admitted into the same schools. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. I mean, um, when I was at UPenn, I was class president and something that I advocated for a lot was empathy from professors, right? Because they would be cold calling on foreign trained attorneys. And I mean, imagine the the anxiety of, of someone who doesn't necessarily, who's, who's not as proficient as everyone else, right? And it's a barrier and it's not only the language but also the different cultures um most people don't have family members in the U.S. and they're on their own apart from the fact that if you do plan to stay longer there's going to be immigration related problems you know we it's it's a it's a very complex process because like even if you want to do an internship you have to do paperwork I mean you you have Mm that worry in in the back of your mind constantly. And personally, I, I all like when I was very little, I used to, and I think this was like five years old or something. I used to record myself speaking in like made up English. Like I did not speak English. I'm just like, I would make, you know, make it up. And I, I, I loved it. Like I would just watch the shows and try to like, you know, imitate it. So English for me was always, um, you know, I just, I loved languages. I, I'm also, so, well, I'm supposed to be fluent in French, even though I haven't practiced in a long time. So I don't know if I sh- should say fluent at this point, <laughs> but I think that for me was a matter of 
I, so I would become very self-conscious sometimes of like, oh my God, I mean, I mispronounced this word and I had to come to terms with myself and just say, look, I'm just trying my best and I'm not going to be perfect. Like this is not my mother tongue and it's okay. Like people understand me. And yes, sometimes I might mispronounce a word or sound weird or say, say something in a different way, but that's okay. Right. That never, um, that was never an obstacle to get where I wanted to get. And something that I, that I always remember was that when I was at UPenn, I took, um, a class called commercial litigation strategy. And it was with the judge that I later, later clerked for the summer. And for me, he was such, um, he was a federal district judge, um, in Philly and he believed in me so much. And for me, that was like so important because at that point it was my first it was my first time sort of in law school. So I had a lot of imposter syndrome, right? Like I had a lot of unworthiness, like I'm, I'm worse. I'm not as good as, as the Americans. Like, and he was someone who really believed in my writing and my reasoning and my, and, and that's some, you know, having people like that in your life, having mentors like that is so mm-hmm. important because the journey is not easy, right? So having someone who believes in you and reminds you that you can do it is definitely very important. Sorry. <laughs> no, I absolutely agree. So you had to take the TAFLA exam. Then you went to UPenn, got your LLM. What was that in? Is there like a specific, is like international or anything like that? It's just like an LLM? It can be. I I decided to pick litigation-based courses. Okay. A lot of people do um, pick courses based on international law. It really depends. UPenn was mostly focused on corporate law. At least a lot of the LLMs were choosing uh, corporate law-related courses. I knew that I that I wasn't really interested in that because I had worked um, for a summer at a law firm in, in Madrid who did a lot of like M&A and all of that. And just, it wasn't my jam. Like I, I liked litigation. So. Yeah. Okay. Totally. So then you're at UPenn and at what point did you decide, okay, I'm going to commit, I'm going to go to law school and do the yeah. full JD. Yeah, so it was like a heartbreak, honestly, because when I was at UPenn, what I wanted to do was to transfer to the JD, especially because at that point I had become like I was so close to the one L. So it was like, I just want to like you like stay here with my friends and continue. And I love the school and the professors and everything. And honestly, what happened is that I I'm sorry for like saying the F word, but I fucked up in a class and that fucked up my whole GPA. And that's how it works because in order for you to transfer from the LLM to the JD, um, I mean, we're talking about like 3.9 GPA or something like that. It's, it's crazy. Only two people transferred, um, from the LLM program to the JD. So, you know, I knew it was highly competitive, but I, but I still like fought for it. And at first I was very disheartened and I felt, I felt really bad, honestly, like, I, you know, that there was something wrong with me. Like, why can't you, like, why, why wasn't I able to, to do that? But that's life, right? Like falling mm-hmm. and standing up again. Yep. And then I went to the U of A because at that time, so I only, so I had two options. So I was finishing up my summer clerkship with the judge in Philly and I was, and I was waiting the decision from UPenn. So I had two options. I could either go to the U of A 
because they had a program that it's, it's the same thing. You do the same one L like it's the same program, but it's a program for foreign trained attorneys. So you don't have to take the LSAT. You sort of get this, um, advanced, I don't know how to call it, like advanced standing sort of thing. Yeah. You still do the one thing, but you can get it in two years. So for me, it's sort of like I did three years in two years, which mm. then goes to the why I, you know, when I fell the bar exam the first time that I was burned out and like, I couldn't really, um, you know, perform at that point after doing everything in two years. Yeah. So, um, oh my God, I lost my train of thought here. So after that, so I had that option or the other option was to do the two-year JD program at Arizona where I didn't have to take the LSAT because they had sort of like this entrance for only foreign trained attorneys. Okay. And I actually also think that they um, were accepting foreign trained attorneys and um, people with LLMs as well. So I had that option. Or just that option, actually, because when I called my parents and asked them if they could support me to study for the LSAT for the year, they said they couldn't. So that if I really wanted to do the the JD, I was going to have to choose that other option at the U of A, which was much cheaper. And also they were offering me a scholarship. So at that point, I was honestly um, very concerned because I feel like a lot of people around me um, were very um focused on branding not branding but you know like SB like how are you going to go from like Ivy League to that da 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 and Mm -hmm. honestly like that was um like now that I think about it I'm like I I don't even know why I wasted time thinking about this but it affected me right because I came to Arizona thinking that I'm such a failure like you know I'm not good enough when in reality I made the best of Arizona. I, yeah. I, I think I, I, I honestly think that I did an amazing job and I'm not trying to be narcissistic here or anything, but I worked my fucking ass off because also I had experience from the LLM and I had seen people and I had understood how the curve worked and how law school worked. And the very first months of law school in Arizona, I was like, oh, my God, this is the desert. What the fuck am I doing here? I don't want to be here. I'm going to go back to Philly with my friends. I hate this. And suddenly, after three years and a half, it became my home. Like, I loved it so much. The classes, the professors, the opportunities that I got over there. Like, I was able to teach, right? Like, I was a teacher for, like, three different classes. Like I was, I was able to do so many things and I would not change it for like anything. And, um, and I also love the desert. Honestly, it was such a <laughs> mystical, I mean, like I, I learned how to do, to, to do tarot reading with like a shaman. I mean, I did all kinds of things. Like really it was, so cool. it was the best. It was the best. Um, because also there's like a really beautiful spiritual community over there. It's yeah. when I got into yoga, like, Honestly, I was meant to, to go there. Go. everything was meant to happen just the way it happened. Yep. And yeah, so I, I have really good memories, honestly, um, about even the one I was like really, really hard. Yeah. I, I have to say that I, I enjoyed my experience there and I, and I recommend, I obviously, um, I know for international law students, um, ranking is also a very important thing. 
because generally a lot of people try to go to schools in either California or New York because that's where they can get jobs after their their LLMs. But if they are thinking about doing litigation and becoming an American attorney, like I'm leaving proof that that is possible. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us, you know, you went through law school at U of A and you did it in two years. So you talked a little bit about not passing the bar the first time. So can you tell us about that experience and, you know, then what you did to pass it the second time and everything like that? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, finish 1L, then start 2L. Um, well, or when I was like doing all of this TA things and teaching and just really um, getting my last subjects in. And I was honestly burnt out, you know. I had way too many things on my plate. And I remember for graduation, my mom was worried about me. They came actually from the Canary Islands and, and they were like, are you okay? Because I was like so skinny. And I was just like, you could see it in my face, how overwhelmed um, I was. And honestly, like, for example, with the, with the lore, review, you know, like I was so obsessed about the, the topic, which is why I've created what I've created. Mm-hmm. Literally it's my, it seems that it's my passion for mm-hmm. whatever reason. So <laughs> I, I was like, so isolated at, at a point because I just like, I was a workaholic, honestly, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. And um, I knew that I needed to take a break. Like my body was already sending me signs of like, take a break, take a break. And I didn't, I was just like, oh no, I'll just like take the bar. And what's very interesting too, is that I was dealing with the immigration stuff as well, because you have to, on a student visa, you have to apply for OPT, um, you, you have to do paperwork, right? And you're losing time. And, and at that time, I was also applying for things. So it was it really all of the factors um, and, and the environment where I was in in that moment, it would have been so healing for me to just say, you know what, I'm just going to take some months off and I'm going to wait, right? But I also couldn't really wait because my immigration status was sort of like, that's how it works. It, it just, it's running, right? Mm-hmm. So I started studying and I was just overwhelmed. I also, I mean, it was a time where I had no motivation. It was so hard for me to study. I didn't want to take practice exams and... Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think it wasn't because I was, um, I guess I was overconfident in terms of like, well, you know, I, I've done really well, like I'm in law review, I think I should be able to like um, pass this, but it was also the first time that I was taking such a um, harsh standardized test in another language, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the bar passage in Arizona, I think it's like 50% or something like that, at least it was when I took it. So that's like, it's harsh, it's, it's yeah. hard. Um, so, you know, I, I pretty much became overconfident and I didn't realize how bad I was emotionally speaking and mentally speaking. I mean, I was in pain. I was like in pain. I remember being in my room and being like, I can't do this anymore. Like I am so tired. Like I remember even wishing, like, I just want to get sick so that I have an excuse and I just don't have to do anything because I'm sick. Right. Mm -hmm. So it, it really got to that point. Um, to the, took the exam with the best, um, you know, I, I really try to have the energy to just go in there and smile and be like, oh, I did it, you know. Um, but I sort of knew deep down that um, I, had, I hadn't taken it in, in my full potential, right? Yeah. So when I was working 
and detention centers, it's very interesting because this is also a story of how much the bar exam does not determine your worth or potential as a lawyer, just as grades don't, you know, don't do it either. Like, yes, it's a system and we want to, we want to get good grades, but they don't determine how, um, how much potential you have as a lawyer. So I, I had actually written an appeal for a client who was in custody in one of the detention centers, um, in Eloy and I had one, right. And my supervisor was like, Oh my God, you should put this on, on your, like on your wall. This is amazing because, um, in Arizona, the, the rates of denial of asylum denial were so huge. And, and, you know, the bonds, this was a bond appeal. Uh, the judges were asking for like $50,000 and things like that. It was crazy. So, you know, I was so proud of myself and suddenly like two weeks later or so, um, I just get the, the, the let, I, I mean, I can't remember if it was the letter or like I looked it up on the computer. It was just like the worst day. I mean, I can't yeah. like, I think about it and it gives me like this feeling of sadness, right? Yeah. Because it, you, in that moment, you feel like you're useless. Like you are not a lawyer. You, um, when in reality, Hillary Clinton failed the bar exam. Uh, Michelle Obama failed the bar exam the first time. I mean, you have so many sure Kamala did too. Kamala yeah. Harris. BP. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So it, this is like something that this should be talked about more because there are a lot of like, this is not an easy exam and it's, it's, there's a cutting point. Like they just fail like half of the people. Right. So <laughs> after that, I was like, there was a week where I was like really upset. Obviously um, I was doubting all of my abilities. Like I'm yeah. telling you, like I was, I, I was doubting myself constantly. Like it was horrible. But then after that week, I was like, you know what? I am going to set myself for success. I'm going to hire a bar tutor and I'm going to pass this motherfucking thing. Like I, that yes. was my, my, you know, mood. Yeah. And I contacted um, a bar tutor that someone recommended at the U of A. She's actually like, she's like a godmother. I sort of got like, I love her so much. She's like, she's also one of those mentors who have changed my life. Um, and she, you know, she empowered me so much. She reminded me of, of my strength and my intelligence, because at the end of the day, it's more about mental fortitude. And this is why I've created this as well, because it's like, even her, she was like, Effie, this is not about tech, you not being technical enough or you not understanding this enough. It's about you sabotaging yourself, procrastinating, not doing practice exams. And in the exam, thinking that you're going to know all the questions. No, like you have to keep going because like it's I, I can't remember how much it was. It was like one minute, 40 something seconds that you yes. have for each question. If you don't okay. know the answer to one, you just keep going. You can't just be spending 60 seconds of uh, yeah. like, oh, my God, like, I don't know this. What is it? No, you just have to keep going. So she was really someone who um, inspired me so much. And yeah, I mean, studied for it and passed it. And I remember that day. And it was amazing. And, yeah. and I really understood the power of having someone by your side, having someone who's supporting you and who's believing in you and who's also telling you, like, look, this is what bar examiners are looking for. This is how you're meant to ride this. This is how you need to do this because it saves so much time in knowing these things 
also lower your anxiety and uncertainty, right? So it was honestly like, it was a great experience. Like the second time that I, that I, that I studied for the bar and took it, like, it was a great experience because I was able to prove myself that, that I was able um, to do it, even though it only lasted for some, like the happiness only lasted for some months because then, um, you know, I had everything happen with my immigration status and honestly felt, um, very betrayed by the nonprofit that I was working for, the immigrant nonprofit, um, though I've decided at this point to forgive them and not waste a lot of energy into this because it just yeah. triggered me and it was very traumatic. Um, but, you know, I think that I was meant to come back for a reason. Yeah. I am doing what I love here, even though being a solopreneur is not easy, let me tell you. But I get to do the emotional intelligence part and I also get to keep writing and I, and I continue to write immigration appeals and I, and I continue to help people. Um, And life is long. You never know. Maybe I'll be back in the U S one day and I'll be arguing in court. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Um, And I think it's, it's kind of like full circle to Mm -hmm. see your journey, right? You see, yourself, you know, going through law school successfully and, but also like burning yourself out, you know, and then taking the bar exam and then not doing well, because you know, like you knew that you were self-sabotaging, you know, and then you were able to find a mentor who could shape this part of you that could help you and Mm -hmm. push you forward. And now that's what you get to do to one else you know it's true and it it is true though because it is full circle and like I think you had to go through that to really understand why it's so important you know because if you hadn't gone through that Mm -hmm. you wouldn't like the mental fortitude like you wouldn't have that because you wouldn't have gone through it you know and I think that makes it so special and I think that's why you're such a great person to be teaching these people like this is what you should be doing because it's so important and like burnout is so real in this profession. And I know we could probably talk hours about just like all the bad things that go on and how we want to change them. But I really do think that you came from full circle. It's really cool to see that whole shift. Thank and you. Absolutely. And also, I mean, it's, you have a lot of expertise and you've done a lot of research and you have, you know, since you were on law review back in law school, you know, that this has slowly started to become something that you thought about and to see how it's grown into now this program where, you know, we as young lawyers, you know, really are changing the legal realm and the way we operate and things like that. And this is a part of it, right? If we don't talk about this stuff and we're not there for each other and we don't, you know, have these conversations, even people with their immigration status, Mm -hmm. right? Like people out there are going to be like, oh my gosh, like I understand her so much. Like I need to talk to her because like no one gets it. Mm -hmm. And it's true. People don't understand, you know, especially people who are American. And I think it even is more full circle about how as a young girl, you wanted to be a lawyer, right? As a five-year-old, you're over here like jibber-jabbering English, you know? (laughs) And then you come here, you you do what you said you were going to do. You struggle because it's really freaking hard. And then you come back to where you originally started. And now you get to be a younger, you know, you're, you're not married, you don't have kids yet. So you're young, you get to be with your family, like you said. 
but like you said, you never know where I'll be in 10 years, mm-hmm. five years, yeah. you know, might be over here working with us doing some stuff. Like, you know, you, you <laughs> never know. And I think it's just like Samantha said, it's beautiful to see in the full circle journey and it's not over. It's not even close, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I, that's why I just want to like really highlight that because I think it's so important for people to see that this is not an easy process, mm-hmm. you know, and like you, it's really hard to do it alone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's why you have your program. That's why we have the podcast. Like we want to be there for people because we know it's not easy. So I'm just really happy that, you know, you're doing this. And I think that it's really great. I mean, I wish I would have had, I mean, we do have you, right. Cause we talk to you all the time, oh but you know, for everyone else who doesn't have like the resources that we do to you know, know all this, like, it's awesome that you get to share it with everybody. So thank you. I mean, what you do is so important. And I'm so grateful I met you both. And I think we still have a lot to do. And it's beautiful work, because like, you know, validating um, Mm -hmm. mental health struggles, validating struggle, normalizing this, talking more about emotions, like, teaching people about burnout and how to avoid it. Like these things are so positive for our profession and are so needed. And at the end of the day, like you're saying, we have to like, we're coming here as the newer generations. Well, I feel like I'm a little bit older, but you know (laughs) what I mean? So it's like, they're the ones, you guys are the ones who are going to change that. And you're going to teach people about boundaries. You're going to teach people about self-awareness. You're going to be inspiring them because you're embodying that self-awareness. And you're going to say, one day you're going to mentor someone and you're going to teach them about boundaries and you're going to teach them about, um, you know, what it is to feel imposter syndrome and what it is to be lost in your own thoughts, in your own obsessive thinking, trying to reach this illusion of perfection that doesn't exist because the problem is that lawyers are expected to be perfect. And that's so unjust because Mm -hmm. perfection doesn't even exist. Yeah. It literally doesn't. Yeah. 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 No, it's, it's, it's something that's so unattainable. And I think that you know, I, I see it every day and I see it in myself too, you know, mm-hmm. like when I'm at work and I, t- and I'm the person that's like, you know, preaching like, oh, you should have oh, imposter yeah. syndrome, like, you know, all this stuff. And then I'm like writing a brief and I'm like, uh, should I even turn this in? Like, uh, how yeah. did I, and then I'm like, I conned my way into this job. Like, yeah. you know, I don't even know why I'm here. And it's still like, even though I have all these, you know, people telling you me you like, preach it. I preach it. It's yeah. still really hard. And that's, and that's why I know that it's definitely harder for a lot more don't people, preach yeah, it, right? Because for people who don't preach it, because yeah. I can't imagine how they feel. So I know that if I struggle with it and, you know, I'm the person and, telling people and I'm sure you struggle with it too. Yeah. You know, like we're all still struggling. But we all struggle with it. Yeah. And we're all just trying to, you know, mm-hmm. eventually get out of that cycle, but it takes growth. It takes self-awareness. It takes confidence, but that doesn't come easy. I was going to say, it's also important to normalize this vulnerability, right? Like, yeah. remember we were talking about how, like, I'm a baby with marketing. Like I'm just learning. And I was telling you guys, like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know if I'm doing this right. Like normalizing that humanity and vulnerability, like, why are we expecting ourselves to be perfect? It's something that we're just starting to learn. Yeah. Yep. 
And that, and that's, that's the crazy. Thing. And that's what I have to remind myself. Right. Like when it, Haley tells me like, well, you know, you're new attorney, like you're not supposed to know that. Or, yeah. you know, like I'm not supposed to know everything. I'm not even practicing. Like I don't know anything, yeah. you know, yeah. like I shouldn't put those, the pressure mm-hmm. on myself, but I feel like the profession in law school put so much pressure and yep. it's like, and the schools, like, they don't really help the situation. It's not mm-hmm. like they're helping you it's the lessen the pressure. They're yeah. like, oh, guess what? We're going to rank you. And then on top of that, we're going to make yeah. sure that only some people can go to OCIs and then everyone else, good luck finding yeah, a job. I'm going to tell you about jobs because they don't exist for you. When in reality, they do. Like, it's, yeah, no, yep. it's, it's crazy. It, it's truly crazy. And, and, you know, talking about, oh, this is what, you know, we talk about, and I think it goes back to exactly what you said, normalizing it really like preaching it. Really. I just mean, we talk about it a lot. We've had Mm -hmm. these conversations with people a lot about who we are, how things are going to work out, how I have to trust myself. I have to trust the process. I have to trust the hard work that I'm putting in things like that. And, and, and I think the coolest part about your program is that it's the opportunity for people who truly we have tried to reach, right. You know, both of us have tried to reach, and we now know that you can be so much more one-on-one and impactful and truly build that relationship with someone. Because when you talk about those mentors that really changed mm-hmm. your life, like that is something that I want so bad, like mm-hmm. so, so bad. And the chance that a 1L can have you to be their mentor is just something that, you know, it's priceless. And yeah. I really think that that is something that people, you know, whether they join the program now or they look back <laughs> in two years and they're like, damn, I should have joined that program. You know, it's it's going to be like, you're going to get to the point in law school where you're like, okay, I, I can't do this alone. And if you're trying to do it alone, it's going to be lonely and long. Yeah. You know? It will. Yeah. And also I think it's about just accepting like, okay, maybe I do need some support. You know, like help. it's totally it's okay huge, to accept right? it, you know? Allowing like, yourself to ask for help. It's huge. It's something that I've had to do so much inner work myself. Mm-hmm. Like even with, with now, like as an entrepreneur and with the business and everything, like it took me a year to hire my business coach. Yeah. Even though I could have done it a year ago, I could have saved myself so much time and so much money and little like info products and digital courses and, and stuff. But I was so like, I was trying to do it all by myself because I'm so Hi. used to doing it all mm-hmm. by myself. And then I, and then I realized the importance of being supported of, of having someone who's like cheering you on and constantly like supporting you emotionally. Because at the end of the day, I think that, Every person who gets to law school is highly intelligent. Otherwise, you do not get to law school. You don't make it. I mean, you have to be like, you have to have a little bit of OCD, let me tell you, because, you know, you have to have attention to detail Mm -hmm. and that type of thing, because otherwise you would be missing like deadlines. You wouldn't be worrying about having your applications perfect and having, you know, covering everything. So I think that it's not about whether you're smart or intelligent enough. It's more about having the support, having the emotional tools to thrive in a very complex and harsh environment. To me, that's that's the deal. Because at the yeah. end of the day, you have what it takes in terms of intelligence. Yeah. It's more about how do I navigate these things when I'm constantly being re- like, you know, the cold calling, the anxiety triggering situations, then the competition, then this negative thoughts that come up because, oh, I'm not good. And like all of this, the workload, the stress, like 
that's the real thing. Like, how do I navigate all of these things? How do I say no? How do I identify with when someone, a supervisor or someone is like abusing me emotionally? Because that's another thing that happens as well. Like, how do I stay aligned? How do I stay empowered? Because also as a woman, we're going to enter a profession that was, you know, created and designed for men. And this mm-hmm. is a fact. This, this is true. This is also why, you know, when we talk about emotions, this this is still something that is stigmatized in the legal profession, right? Even though we have now we have partners coming out in law firms saying that they have a that they have depression and they have problems, but there's still so much more to do in terms of normalizing this, right? Normalizing the struggle, normalizing the fact that it's hard to be a lawyer. I mean, we're expected to do so much. We're expected to be machines. Someone dies in your family or something happens. No, I mean, like you have to be at work the next day. How is that possible? Mm-mm. It's not. Yeah. And I think that's why it's so important to start now. Like the sooner you start handling all these things and realizing, you know, everything emotionally, it can just help you in your, like in my head, right? I envision a bunch of 1Ls that have, you know, had the program, Right. In an mm-hmm. ideal world, let's say a class of what else who have the program, yeah. they've learned how to manage themselves, they're doing great, and then they go off into the legal world and they take that with them. Mm-hmm. And then, like, that's the ideal situation, right? Mm-hmm. Like, to grow the generations of lawyers who know how to exactly. act like normal mm-hmm. human beings and know how to not yeah. put, like, not that toxic relationship between you and your coworkers, mm-hmm. or like yes. the 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 competition like you're saying like oh, I'm gonna build more hours or you yep. know I'm gonna just oh my my grandma died but I'm gonna come into work anyways like no that 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 environment That's is not, not cool. cool yeah and no. I also think it's um as as what we can do right is stop all the negativity surrounding the legal profession. I see a lot of law students. Um, there's like Facebook groups, like this one meme group where everyone is just so negative all the time, but they like thrive on the negativity and it like, yeah. that's what bonds them together. And I'm just like, no, like, I think we should be doing this a totally different way. Yeah. Not, you know, like they're almost like thriving with the negative. They're almost like, let's just suffer even more. Let's make this even harder on ourselves because that's just what the legal profession is. Because that's cool. That like that's the cool. Like, let me work until one in the morning because that's what I think is yeah. what's going to make me successful. It's, it's a defense like, mechanism. Like overworking yeah. yourself is a defense mechanism because if you stop and feel your body and feel the sadness and the pain that you're going through, you would rather just keep working. I mean, we. This is something that I've done as well, and I think we've all done it. Like when you're trying to avoid an emotion, you just put like a million things in your to-do list because you don't want to deal with it because it's painful. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people, um, and and I've seen a lot of lawyers just like go on years and years without really knowing if they if they're happier because they have never really stopped for a minute and asked themselves, "Am I happy? Do I like what I'm doing?" And then suddenly mm-hmm. they have a breakdown. Yeah. It's inevitable at that point, right? Like you can't keep pushing on, you can't keep pouring from an empty cup and and that's eventually you will break down. So you, you have to give yourself the time. And, And that's what I think, like, ultimately the lesson that I hope people learn from this is that like, you can pretend like what we're saying isn't true or whatever, but eventually you'll get to a point where you can no longer maintain. Yeah, you will. 
And, and then at that point, know that we're here, yeah. you know, because like, we've all been there. We've all been workaholics. We've all been, been in denial. We've all been where we can't sit still. You know, it's just a no. part of it. It's a part of changing your mind. It's a part of quote, thinking like a lawyer, those types of things, you know, yeah. but, but with that comes the self-awareness. And like you said, the tools that you have to have to help combat that, to be a normal human. Yeah. And enjoy your life and be yes. happy. And like not, you know, we're, we're so as, as law students and lawyers, we're also, so we're constantly looking for that external validation sometimes, right. We're performing sometimes yes. for that approval because we're so used to it. Right. And we get something, we win something and it lasts for like three minutes. Then we're like, okay, what's the next accomplishment? What's the next goal? And it's, it's sad to see that we sometimes we can't even relax because it's like, oh, I should be doing something like I should be like, I'm not being productive. Like I get guilty, um, I get guilty. Yeah. And I start like if I seriously, there's times where I'm taking a break and I'm like, I, I could be doing this and this and this. And I'm like, oh, and then it's like hard to relax because it's just like, yeah. no, you need to give your body the rest. And that's one thing that like I've had to learn a lot is like giving your body a rest and that's taking huge. a break. And like taking breaks, yeah, I, I, and right, and like if anything too, you guys listening to this out there, if your body needs a break, take it. Like don't like I promise you, whatever you're working on, like it'll be there after you take your break. Yeah, well. yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, will you share with everyone if they are interested in joining your program, how they can go about that, and where they can find you if they have any more questions? Of course. So you can either go to my website, which is esperanceshope.com, and then you go under work with me, and then you go on Warrior in Law, and then you have like several buttons over there where you can click, and then you'll go, you'll be redirected to the application. And you can also just go to my Instagram profile, which is also esperanza.ishope, and you can also find the application over there. And again, like I said, Please feel free to DM me or email me with any questions that you might have. And yeah, I'm just really excited to welcome the new cohort and start changing the profession from the root. Yeah, yes, seriously. Like that's the goal. Like if anything in life, like what I want to do, because I love, you know, we all here because we love the legal profession in one way or another. Yeah. But everything can be better. Yeah. Everything can change. Yes. And I'm really happy that we're part of, you know, the people that get to change it and, you know, get more people on our side and let's just like do this. Like, let's just make it better for everybody and let's make it a healthy profession to yeah. be in. Absolutely. I want to, like I want people to go to work every day and be happy and not like you know not leave the profession yeah not leave the profession because I see mm-hmm. a lot of people too like um, there's a Facebook group that I'm in where it's attorneys and yeah. I saw one comment where a woman put like someone said I've left the law and they wrote something and someone commented my biggest aspiration is to leave the law and it's just like, it's yeah. like why, why are we at that point you know we don't want to get there and it's exactly like you said we got to start from the root and. And, you know, and it goes literally I, it, that Facebook group, I'm assuming, is the, the woman Facebook group. And it's going back to exactly what you said, is that this profession was made for men. And no, yeah. no one has collectively gotten together and been like, mm, no, we're going to do some, a few changes. Yeah. And if you, you don't like, like it, it yeah. you should go. Yeah. Honestly, you know? that, yeah. That's the thing. Like, 
we just need to dominate the market. But that's another story. That's for another day. That's for another day. We're young. You guys will see us when we're older attorneys and we'll have changed the game by then. So exactly. (laughs) Yes. Yes. That will happen. We just have to keep doing the work and keep visualizing it. But yeah, I I honestly think that there's going to be a change and it's Mm -hmm. already happening. People, I mean, honestly, like. When I first started this, which was like when I started writing the note, this was like, four, I don't know, four, even like four and a half or five years old. I don't even know. Cause like, I've, I, I feel like I've become old at this point and I forget. <laughs> um, but at the time it wasn't a hot topic. You know, I was, yeah. I was already like too ahead of, not too ahead, but it, like it was too soon and people weren't really paying attention to me. And I was like, look, like their law students were getting really sick. Like there had been suicides as well, mm-hmm. which is like, I mean, and I was like, I don't understand why there's so many studies in law schools aren't doing anything about it because the, my whole thesis was like, this starts in law school and there's like a, there's a correlation, there's a connection between what the, the suffering of law students and the suffering of lawyers. And honestly, like now that I'm seeing on Instagram, like imposter syndrome, mental health, I'm like so excited because it's like it is happening and it's going to continue to happen because I think there are a lot of people who are realizing that they deserve to be happy. They deserve to have it. enjoy. Yes. And that's the thing. Like we need to make sure everyone knows they deserve to be happy. Like everyone needs to be you need to work for happiness. I think that's mm-hmm. like the only thing what in life, you. you know, like yeah. exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. And if we can help in any way, yeah. that's what I hope what we're doing. So thank you so much for chatting with us and we'll make sure to put the Insta live for you guys. So you can watch that and see SB and all her glory. And yeah, we're, you know, it was really fun recording this. Yes. Thank you so much. This was great. You guys are the best. Thank you. Guys, I literally like had to look up stuff after talking to her because it's just crazy to me how different the international law realm is, right? Like SB went to high school in Spain and then, you know, it's a totally different thing. Instead of going to college like you do in the States, she went straight and got a JD in five years. Like it's a JD equivalent. Like that blows my mind. So not only is she so educated about the law and just the way everything works, but she has, you know, she talked a little bit about a little bit about civil law and you know after we means we were both like what does she mean by that you know and come to find out it's just the way that certain countries operate in their legal systems instead of common law they do civil law and so when she talks about that you know just to just keep that in mind and i think you know it's just different types of way to get into law school like she didn't take the LSAT but she went through a totally different rigorous program so if anyone out there has any questions or is feeling like man I always wanted to be an American lawyer and a litigator like SB guys reach out to her she is so cool and so real and just you can learn from her story so yes and she's definitely been a rock for us you know emotionally you know check out her warrior in law program too. If you're into this kind of stuff, like we are really trying to push that, you know, mental health is important in this profession because it can be cutthroat guys and not a nice place to be sometimes. So yeah, check that out. Check her Instagram. We're going to put it all in the show notes for you guys. So it'll be easy and watch that Instagram live. Okay. All right.
on that note, we need to go now. Yes. So (laughs) time to get back to work, you guys. Gotta love school, right? Okay. Well, we will talk to you guys again next week. Make sure that you are staying safe and staying kind to yourself and your friends and others in the realm. Wear your mask, guys. Seriously. And we will talk to you guys again next week. Bye. Bye.